Tonight, they're the images alarming Californians. In L.A., the homeless on places like the Hollywood Walk of Fame and along the iconic Venice Boardwalk. Any and everywhere you go, in and out of stores, homeless, homeless, homeless. I had a good job. We had a home. Anybody can become homeless. Look at Los Angeles with the tents and the horrible, horrible, disgusting conditions. This is The Shot, where photographers share the stories of their photos. I'm Michael John Oliver. Rachel Bajowski is a documentary photographer based in San Francisco, California. Her work largely examines the lifestyles and personalities of people living on the fringe of society that make up American culture today. She has been published in the New York Times, National Geographic and the Washington Post, among others. Her 2019 documentary for ESPN won an Emmy for Best Sports Journalism, and in 2020, she was named as one of the 30 new and emerging photographers to watch. But since 2012, Rachel has devoted much of her creative energy to her project On the Streets of California, documenting the state's growing housing crisis. But since the start of the coronavirus pandemic in 2020, the crisis has become even more urgent and Rachel's work even more necessary. My dad gave me an Olympus 35 millimeter film camera. Yeah, and so that was what I first learned on and used in high school. I did this one series of, that was really dark, actually. And I went with my dad to the cemetery and we did a... Because I was having night terrors as, as a kid and I think into middle school. And so one of my series I did was starting of me dreaming in my room. It was a self-portrait with like a washcloth over my head as I was like, you know, having night sweats or something and then went into the dream and the dream was a nightmare and it was at a cemetery. And so I went with my dad and he held a flashlight and we took the doll and kind of did all these kind of weird but really interesting photos. And that one sticks out in my head. I would love to go back and look at that. I haven't looked at that in a while, but I, I remember it being the teacher really loving it. Did photography run in your family? Was your dad a photographer? No, but my grandpa was. He, you know, I think some of that artistic ability wore off on my dad. And my dad was would always tell me that, you know, your grandpa was a wedding photographer and he'd show me some of his photographs. So from high school, did things pick up in college? So I was photographing through high school. And, you know, like I said, we went, I, I'd have to kind of find things to photograph. So I, you know, we went to the cemetery. I was just trying to find like interesting locations, uh, like weird cornfields, I remember, barns, things with texture. Um, we didn't have the ocean or anything like that. And I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah, I was kind of like dreaming a little bit, doing things in my backyard. And then in college, I was doing documentary stuff on campus. So I worked at the Daily Vedette, the college newspaper. And that's where there more of the stories started coming out for me because there was more people and there's more things there to photograph, more activities. 
Photography kind of lends itself to its own style of storytelling. Would you think of yourself as a natural storyteller? I think so. I always, I grew up with my sisters and we would always have our mom read us stories. So bedtime storytelling was always really exciting for us. And we each got to pick three books or whatever the limit was that night. And I remember just feeling so drawn to the photos and the illustrations in the books. And then me and my sister was talking about it. And then we would interact and play together and make up stories. In that way, I feel like that part of my childhood really informed my storytelling and my interest in it, I would say. How did you then go from Midwest suburbia out to California? I loved Lauren Greenfield's work in college. I had done a project with her uh, or about her work in one of my classes. I knew that she lived in Venice, California, and I wanted to work for her. I wanted to soak up as much information and see how she did her business, how she worked. And so I called the studio up to get an internship with her, actually. And then I got the internship and then ended up moving out there. I understand that once you got out to California, you actually spent a period of time living on a boat. Tell me more about that. Oh, it was so inspirational for me to be on that boat and it kind of pulled me out of just the traditional way of living. And my senses were exploding with just the different people that lived there, the different smells and the way of life just taught me new things. And it, it really got me thinking about, you know, my childhood, because we grew up going to Wisconsin from Chicago and had a little camper that we'd stay in. And I remember loving that little camper and living in there with my parents and my siblings. And then this time on the boat was very nostalgic of that time in the trailer, in that little camper. So it brought me back to these little memories of loving being in this small space and having less, not have having a ton of clothes, not having everything that you could put on a shelf. You know, I had to really scale down my belongings to live on that boat. So that was re- just had me thinking more, I guess, of, well, do other people live like this? And what did they learn by living with less? You know, kind of just brainstorming more about that. And then being curious about the people around me um, that also lived on their boats and what what their boats could do for them. Like, what kind of adventures. So it felt like, like this period of my life was really, it really caught my curiosity. And then from there, I was able to look outside of the boat and ask more questions of what other people were doing to live simple like that. So going into like the art people living in their RVs and, and then rolling into this big project about people living off grid. So it was definitely a huge turning point for my life to as an artist and as a photographer, because it had me asking all these questions. It seems like a very natural progression towards the work you're doing now. Oh, it was definitely a natural progression for sure. It was wanting to know more and more about people's lifestyles and living simple. And because I've always loved camping, I've always loved um, backpacking and having less because what you get out of this, you get out of this cycle of 
like wanting things and being on the internet and clicking. And I loved the idea of not being in that mindset. And what is it like when you can live off grid? What are those people like? You know, so it was natural for me to go from my dock to the streets of Venice and then wanting to know how people were living with less outside of Venice, California. And then that's when I started mapping that out and kind of figuring out, oh, maybe in Joshua Tree, people are living off grid. Okay, well, let's see who are those people. And then what about um, in Northern California? Where are they living and how, how is their lifestyles different? It seems that the seeds of the project have been planted in Venice. Tell me how things start to grow from there. Yeah, so it started off in this whole, you know, off-grid project where I was so fascinated. But then as I'm out um, finishing up Connected Off the Grid series, I'm realizing that some of these people that I'm finding are, you know, that was not their choice where, you know, I'm living in the boat. That was my choice. And then there's this whole other group of people that are, it's not their choice to be, you know, intense on the street and or living in their RVs. So, you know, then I I really switched over. It's a it was a whole nother section of this work I was trying to photograph. And so and these stories that I was trying to tell, I realized it was so much bigger and it needed to be told because I think that does get intertwined where people are like, is it choice? Is it not? Um, These people are just living in their RVs on the streets. So I wanted to make that distinction and started on a whole nother project outside of the Connected Off the Grid series, um, which is, you know, covering the housing crisis. You started the project in 2012. What were those initial weeks and months like? So this project, I started as you said, yeah, in 2012, before I was living on the boat. Well, this is when I first moved to California for the first time. And I had not seen very many people homeless. It just wasn't in the suburbs of where I grew up. And it wasn't where in my little um, zone and town and where I went to college either. So, you know, here I am in Venice and I'm on the boardwalk, I'm walking around town and I see all these different people that don't are living on the sidewalks. So I started asking questions of what, well, why are you living here? Where are you from? And created a project actually around that. So I could really build that confidence and have a reason to ask these questions it was really eye-opening for me. And so I started talking to people living in Venice who, you know, lived without tents, in their tents and had technology. And I was like, oh, well, what, how are you using your phones? And so I created my own project around that. It just grew from there. It was just something that's always, always stuck with me. And I've been photographing this topic since then. What's striking about your work is that sense of closeness. You really do get to know the person you're photographing. And I admire the fact that not a single shot of yours is taken with a telephoto lens. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you approach someone living on the streets for the first time and ask to take their photo? So it's starting very delicately and slowly because you are entering somebody's space. And I don't know if I'd want someone to just come up to me and start 
taking my picture. I actually really wouldn't. So it's really trying to think about this is somebody's life. This is delicate and not coming up with my camera, just really mirroring that person's energy, kind of trying to observe the situation before just walking up to anybody. And so that's what I do is just really take my time and make sure I, you know, I'm introducing myself and letting them know about me and saying, you know, I live in Venice. I, you know, this is where I live. This, you know, I'm curious, how, how are you doing? And just really asking from a place of like really wanting to know. And I think people can genuinely gauge that in me when I'm asking and it's, it's comes from a genuine place. And from there, you know, striking that conversation up and finding common ground, it it automatically just rolls into my project. And hey, you know, I'm actually doing a project about housing. And it's crazy that we don't have enough people asking how you're doing. And are you okay if, you know, we, if I include you in this project that I'm working on and then telling them about the project and where I hope it could go and what it could do. And most times people are okay with it. Then it's like, well, can I follow you around today? And it's not just a quick photograph either. It's spending the time. That stage of that conversation could take a few hours. Or if the people are very open, maybe it only takes 20 minutes. So, and then it's, you know, but it's normally never just a quick photograph by, you know, it's spending time with people. And usually going back to that person you know, a week later, kind of becoming friends in a way. People want to talk and they want to tell their stories. A lot has changed since 2012 when you first started the project. What are some of the big things you've noticed? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just, it could be anybody now. It it feels like doing this work and walking around and talking to people that are without house, a house, you know, it could be, it really could be anybody. The before the pandemic, right before the pandemic, it was my Uber driver who was like, yeah, we were homeless. We, we were living on the streets and people that I've met in Echo Park, you know, these people, my same age were living in tents. It really feels like anybody could be going through this now that we're losing jobs um, Our like houses are burning down com- complete towns like paradise California, that whole town burned down. People just, you know, and if you don't have family right there, where do you go? So this is just, it's a huge problem that we don't have affordable housing readily available for people right away, you know, or moving into like a shelter is hard because, you know, you could get sick because we're, you know, we're in this state of Um, emergency with the pandemic. So I think it's just, it's getting more and more common. How has the pandemic changed the way you approach the project? No, it it feels very similar. It's just, I'm meeting more people that are in the same situation. And it just feels more urgent that we get more affordable housing and we get more help. We get more support. We get like parking lots have opened up for people to park vehicles. There's been showers that people, the activists are, 
you know, building and dropping into different towns so that people can have a shower. And I feel like we need more of that, though. Like, we really need more support. The sense that I'm getting is that this is more than just a project for you. This is more than photojournalism. This is more than documentary photography. This has a real resonance. Definitely. I think not turning a blind eye and actually looking, taking a look. I think a lot of people want to look away when they see somebody that's homeless. And I think it's so important that we ask questions. We ask our neighbors on the streets, like, what what do you need? And showing that I think opens people's eyes and they say, well, maybe, you know, who knows when it will hit, but maybe they'll be like, okay, I'm going to go volunteer at the shelter. I'm going to go and actually talk to somebody. Maybe it's just, just as simple as that is starting a conversation and asking questions, because if we don't ask, we, we're not going to know what, what people need. So I, I hope that the work has people curious and wanting to know what else they can do. And maybe they start an organization or they, you know, have a trailer that they want to make into a shower. Or I don't know. Like it, it could be anything that just they want to help because they saw this project. One of the things I really admire about your photography is that you have this incredible capacity for bringing out the humanity in a vulnerable person. There's a stylistic trope of yours, which I really want to hone in on and you see it a lot in the series it's a person you're photographing looking away from the camera sometimes they're looking dead into the lens but often they're looking beyond yeah i think that is just trying to catch people in not fully looking at me because they're thinking about this is a portrait so you know maybe it's through the conversation and they're they're caught in a moment and i feel like that just shows more of who they are maybe they forgot about me for a moment it just that feels like more of the real moment instead of them instead of hey look at me we're going to take a portrait it's like you know maybe that was after you know a couple hours of hanging out and they're they are thinking about when their friend is going to come bring them food or their, the next move that they need to make. The series has garnered the attention of a lot of outside parties and in particular news outlets too. You were commissioned to do a series for the New York Times. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I went into the New York Times and I met with one of the editors and I showed him the beginning of my work on this um, from 2012, starting in 2012. And he, he loved it and was like, well, you know, a couple months later was like, Hey, actually, do you think you could go and spend some time in Los Angeles and capture what's going on now? And he asked me how much time I needed. And so it was a, it was an amazing assignment that I got because I got to really continue this work um, on my own. There was no constraints. It was really just how I work. And then pulling in some of my work of, you know, 2012 with David Bush and actually going back to revisit him for this piece. It was, it was a dream assignment, I would say, that I got to pick the amount of time to work on it and the, lo- the locations. And I just was able to do do me and walk around. And that's, that's really a dream because 
I think having the constraints sometimes you can't you can't get this kind of work done and like that. You just need to let it flow and and have it just be natural. How many photos would you have taken over the course of the project? Oh, thousands. I don't know. Yeah, a lot. Thousands of thousands, I guess. Since 2012, yeah, a lot. What does that process look like? How do you go about picking the best photos from the thousands and thousands you have taken? I guess it depends on, well, I guess starting with on the streets of California, that was just a curiosity, a question of how who's living out here and what what is their life like? And so it starts with a question and I don't even know the title of what I'm doing yet. It's nothing is really formed. It's just collecting. And so that's how I start a lot of my projects is just a question and then collecting photographs and audio and writing down um, just specifics about that person and then just keep going. And until I feel content with what I have, then going back and looking at it and then seeing if I can see a thread and maybe showing it to a couple editors or friends and asking them what they think, you know, what all, what's going on in the world, kind of seeing how does this relate to a bigger picture? Because I feel like every town or every neighborhood has this, you know, connection to the bigger picture. And that's pretty much what happened to with my on the streets of California work is um, just starting small and then seeing like, wow, this this fits into the whole housing crisis. Eight to nine years is a long time to be working on any one project. And certainly there are going to be creative changes, but there are also going to be personal changes too. How has the project changed you as a person? Hmm. That's a good question. I just, I think... I think I'm realizing that this is this is serious. I that it can make a difference that I can you know, what if we do have a museum show when the pandemic's over and we can really change a policy. I don't think when I started this I could do that. And after working on other big projects um in the last year, I realized that photographs can change a policy and they can get people to take action. Real, I didn't realize that in the beginning. You talk about making a difference. What kind of feedback have you had on the project? Keep going. <laughs> Great feedback. I mean, people keep hiring me to do this kind of work around the same topic. Yeah, like, you know, every time I have an idea, like let's put it into a, a book or a museum show, the feedback is always positive and yes. How do you make sure that you look after yourself? Because this kind of work can get overwhelming. What do you do to keep yourself on an even keel? Hmm. I, I really, it, it hits a chord in me that people need housing because if we didn't have, if I didn't have a house, I wouldn't be able to be on this call with you. I wouldn't be able to, you know, communicate with my family. Like I I feel, or like keep myself educated and have the life I do. And I feel like everyone deserves that chance. Everyone deserves to be healthy and have that basic need met. And so it really, 
it makes me angry that we have people on the street. You know, we don't have enough housing and it in that that anger keeps me going when I'm out there and to the point where it yeah, it does seep in a little and it it, it does affect me, but knowing that, you know, of course I can go home and rest and then see the contrast of that makes me realize that this is so important and like what if this can really help somebody get into housing yeah i think the anger kind of drives me and then i'm able to rest and i and i, t- I have to take care of myself when i'm not photographing these hard topics i, t- I go home and i'm able to have a warm bed and get a health, a good meal and exercise so it just makes me want to fight for the these other people to have that as well. What gives you hope? Yeah, I the positive response that I get when I do share the work that gives me hope and people saying, you know, you know, I, this is this is helping. Um and then when stories do like this New York Times story I worked on with Serena, she was um, abused on Pornhub. And all of a sudden the story, you know, got out and all these people started replying and wanting to support her. And she actually did get into housing. And then also with the ESPN story that I worked on, these men that came out and told their story and I was able to photograph their portraits and their life, the abuser was was um, put into jail. Other men are able to now speak out and say, this happened to me too. So that, that gives me hope to see that there is, that change does happen. Do you feel a sense of belonging to California now? Oh yeah. I love California. And I, I really do feel like the work is not done here. There's so much, there's so much here to photograph and there's so many stories everywhere. I would love to travel once the pandemic you know, allows for that and do some more um, work in different parts of the country and the world. Yeah, for now, I'm going to stay in California. So what is next for you? Yeah, right now I'm editing a story and a project about the aftermath of the fires in Oregon. And there's just so much um, devastation and so many families still without housing and a big Latino uh, frontline worker community that is all without housing. And so it's been, I spent a few weeks already there documenting what's going on. And I'm in the process of editing that and getting that out there because that has a lot to do with, you know, the overlap of housing plus cr- climate change. So yeah, that's next. That's a current story. And then, yeah, and then applying for grants to continue this work. Because uh, I, it's not done. It's definitely something that I want to continue, make a book, have an exhibition soon. What word of advice would you give to someone young and ambitious who wants to follow in your footsteps and take on this kind of photography? Find a topic that you deeply care about is huge because if you want to keep photographing that over time, you cannot lose interest. You really need to care about it. Is it something that makes you angry? Um, is it like, is there, yeah, is there something that makes you angry that you just, you need to get out you need to talk about it? I feel like that's always a good starting point. 
yeah, just don't lose hope because it is a tough industry. Um, you're going to get knocked down and not every outlet's going to want to publish it, but you can't give up. You just got to keep going if you really, really care about storytelling. My thanks to Rachel Bajowski, and you can see more of her incredible work on her website at rachelbajowski.com and on her Instagram and Twitter accounts, which are both at Rachel Bajowski. And you can hear more episodes of The Shot on our website at www.shotpodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at ThisIsTheShot and see the photos discussed in every episode on our Instagram at the.shot.podcast. 